0: Alright, welcome back to another week of the Razball Prospect Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Lifschitz, and I'm just going to end the show now, officially, forever. Ronald Lacuna has been He's called here. up to the Major Leagues. I don't think we're allowed to actually have a prospect podcast with Ronald Lacuna in the Major Leagues, Lance. Oh, by, by the way, Lance Brozdowski, hey. my co-host. How's What's it going? going on? I'm
1: great. The, the big question, Ralph, the number one question here. Who is the number one prospect now in baseball?
0: I think that would be Vladimir oh, Guerrero. Oh, I was hoping you'd go there. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen both of them within the last three weeks. It's amazing. I love oh, it. It's a, it's a good time to live in the Northeast right now. Yes, got to see Ronald Acuna just a few days before his call up. We could talk about that. Saw so, uh, Luis Gohara's second rehab start as well on Sunday. That was excellent. I tweeted out some of the video. I actually. Uh I illegally pirated and videoed the entire innings, each one of those frames. All four frames from Gohara. If you go into my Twitter feed, you could actually uh check it out at Prospect Jesus. Got all four innings up there in their entirety. You could see every single pitch that Gohar Gohara threw. Um Lance, we're supposed to go to a game tomorrow night. Yes. Weather permitting. Weather, weather permitting.
1: permitting. It is uh Dylan Tate of the trenton thunder versus sean reed foley who i always call sean foley reed because for some reason that sounds <laughs> better to me than his actual name it, I don't it does mean it. actually sound better it does Foley reed sounds better than reed foley i don't know just the flow of it screws me up but yeah so that's uh that's the matchup we're looking at up in new hampshire i don't know if we're actually gonna get out there it looks like it might rain a little bit but by the time you're listening to this you probably will have already known whether we've been there because i'm sure we'll be shooting out some tweets and videos and stuff like that about it so yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah that'll be our uh my and your couple third third look at bone Vlad and, and also and also biggio who is uh starting to get some hype he's got a couple home runs he's batting really high yeah, he's got a 330 ish average i think last time i checked four home runs crazy um a little Does. overshadowed by by the by the talent on that team in terms of, of bone vlad so uh we'll see if he hops up I, I a really good new york times article on, on them written by an individual I don't remember the name of. But uh, it's good to see you get some uh, some national national prowess around these guys. I like that. I'm happy for, yeah. for them and for New Hampshire because I don't think New Hampshire really has too much exciting things in terms of baseball. So uh, this is what they get for a little bit until everyone gets called up because they're too good, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. It's their, like,
0: professional team now, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Good. So uh, I got to ask you, too. We'll, we'll, we'll stay on track of your Pawtucket Gwinnett Braves thing here, Ralph. Um, sure. Acuna, in person. How does he rate with some of the other prospects you've seen in your life that have been up there in terms of that elite of a talent?
0: Uh, you know, he didn't do anything. He actually had a good game. I think he was two for three for five, you know, had a, a couple of legitimate singles and then one that was like a dribbler that that just just barely wasn't foul. It got into enough of the green for it not to be a foul ball. But he did, you know, he was impressive in terms of his speed, athleticism, Um dude, he really looks like a ball player too. Mm -hmm. Great swing, nice hands. Everything's really fluid. Uh, As I had mentioned to you after the game, you know, swings a little long, um, but he's going to be able to get that stuff on that, you know, the outer, the outer quadrant of the plate, the inside, you know, high tight stuff. He might have a little trouble high inside, um, you know, in the zone at least. So, you know, but as you sort of said to me back, that's not a bad thing for a young hitter. If that's where his hole is. Everyone's going to have a hole in their swing. You know that's not you know impossible to overcome. Um, and you've heard. I think we've all sort of heard that Acuna's swing is a little bit long. So it's it's the only negative I had. The speed is very legitimate. He had some loud outs, and it's not easy to necessarily hit the ball out at Pawtucket, uh, especially when it's you know it was fifty five that day, which is relatively warm, but in the big scheme of things, still not all that warm for baseball. He had maybe one loud fly out, I think, to left field. Um and I had kind of heard throughout, you know, some of the games that I had watched, I'd watched the, the game the night before, uh, which was um Colby Allard versus Jaleen Beeks, uh, and, and, and or and, and he had an Bleakson had an excellent game. Um Akuna at times looked disinterested, you know? Like legitimately looked disinterested. So I, I, it's funny. I thought Vlad was more impressive from like a, a bat speed perspective. And I thought that Bo's adjustments and the little things that Bo Bichette does that we talked about were probably more impressive. The total package of physicality, um, ability, and just sort of that, uh, uh, um, I would almost say uh, it's uh, confidence that borders on arrogance, where I think it's kind of playful with Vlad. It's a little bit more arrogant with Akuna. Like, he knows okay. he's good. I see. Know? I see. I think that's um, like, interesting. Like he's, like, he's a little more diva. Like, I don't like, like, Vlad to me is like, he, everyone's going to love Vlad. He's right?
1: having fun. You could tell yeah. it's, it's, it's in a jovial mar- sense. Yeah.
0: Vlad's mar- marketable, you know, where like Akuna is kind of like, um, Almost more, I don't, I don't
1: know if I want to judge the cop, but Bryce Harper where he's got a little edge. Yeah. Because, like, Harper's yeah. cocky, right? Like, a lot of people consider um, him cocky. He's really, really good. He knows he's good. Hey, I mean, he's got his own, own little things. I don't want to compare Acuna sure. to Harper, but that he's persona, more, maybe? Uh,
0: he's more, uh. <laughs> he's a bit more like. Like, I. I don't know like I was when I was 20 years old. Like he like <laughs> mean mugs the camera. You know, he kind of like he'll like throw up like fingers in a picture. You know, he's kind of he's trying to look like almost, a Don Dada. Like, like he's it. trying to look like like a badass. Like I think he's I I think that he thinks of himself more as like a badass than Bryce Harper. But he has that cockiness that that Harper has. But Har- Harper almost has it in like, you know, a fraternity brother, like, sure, sure. You he know, that knock. most popular kid in high school, Zach Morris kind of a sense sure. where, you know, with a Kuna, it's like, I'm a bad, I'm a bad mama jamma, you know, like that's, that's kind of where, how it comes off. But I think that plays like, I think he's a gamer. And I said this to gray the other day is like, I think when the lights are on that's when a Kuna shines, like he did today. I mean, he's, he hit you know, a shot two games. He hit a that shot. Ball was scorched he hit he hit shot. and he knew it, it immediately awful, too. It was oh, an awful pitch from Homer Bailey, but I am pretty sure he saw some awful pitches in AAA. He probably didn't hit out. Exactly. Um, Not that far. Know. So at the end of the day, he is as impressive as anybody that I've seen. Um, yeah. I mean, I've seen Mo I've seen a lot of guys that came up at that that stick out to me. Chipper Jones, um Xander I've seen uh Anthony Rendon um just you know guys that were great hitters but he had the speed I mean he is probably the best five tool prospect I've ever watched I I Okay f- probably say that pretty easily I don't think I've seen a guy that paired power and speed and hitting ability um and approach and defense and just all that stuff together the way that Acuña does uh, he was impressive, you know, you know, not in the sense that he hit like two homers and had like an unbelievable game, but he was impressive in the sense that like, yeah, dude, that's a major leaguer. You Absolutely.
1: Know? Yeah. And we, we could tell from that from his from his, his first game here Thursday uh, where he pops a home run. I think he went three for four, three for five. And he had another really, really loud out. So he looks good. And it's always good to see affirmation of these top prospects i think that is something that the prospectors always want from some of their upper echelon talent here to actually see it manifest you know we had some i feel like in the last year or so we've had some guys hop up into the major leagues that maybe didn't materialize so quick i'm thinking of guys like a rosario Orlando arcia those guys were touted those guys were like top 25 yeah. i saw i mean Ahmed Rosario rosario's top 10 frankie was another good one so it's good to see acuna up here where he he hits right away and uh i wouldn't be shocked to see it continue i think that he's I'm really excited. I didn't I didn't catch any of his full at bat on Thursday, but I did see the home run highlight and some of the other highlights kicking around, but I'm going to watch I'm going to watch the Braves a lot, I'll, I feel in the next couple I years. I have
0: the game on. I had the game on in the background to rewatch or to watch it other than highlights right now yeah. as we speak, so I may be able to like actually look over and all of a sudden Acuna gets another hit. I like but it. uh yeah, he was impressive. It was real fun. I was sitting like two I don't know if you saw the pictures. I, I was did, sitting yeah. like two rows directly behind home plate. So I get a really good look at Luis Gohara. Um, fastball was sitting in the first second, second, third, fourth, got up 94, 95 a couple of times, but sat mostly 93 to 95, mostly 93, 94. Um, that slider uh you know drops down to like, you know, 82, 81, went ahead like and 80, and it's got bite, man. Even his fastball, his fastball almost has has like cut movement. Like it comes in on right handers and it sweeps in on on lefties. That I don't know how and I think I said it to you. I don't know how any left-handed batters have ever gotten a hit off of Luis Gohar. I saw that on your Twitter feed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just the way the ball comes in and like, like I said, you're looking behind home plate. So I get a great look at movement. And I'm like, holy cow! Like you thought it was gonna hit him at times, and then all of a sudden it plops in there for a strike, and you're like, damn. <laughs> He's got no feel for that changeup, though. That changeup is fringe as fringe could be. Yeah, it is hot garbage. It's like eighty-seven miles an hour. It's got some movement on it, but he can't spot it at all. It was like every single time, it was just like an automatic ball. Mm-hmm. If anyone swings in that changeup, like it, they have to be like half blind.
1: <laughs> no, I think that that's the thing we often are going to go back to with a lot of guys in terms of on on any list. You're going to see a lot of guys who are really get two pitch pitchers and Mm. who are just developing that other third pitch. That's why, I mean, make your debate on whatever you want in terms of floor for guys and how you want to establish how a guy has a floor. A guy can have a floor with two pitches because you want him to be a reliever, or you can look at a guy with a couple pitches who has three, four pitches, but they're all kind of average. You can consider that a good floor, too, because he's going to be able to not end up with massive splits. So I'm I'm interested (laughs) to see what Gohard is. He was pretty successful with just the two pitches um, in his first little stint. I know he didn't use that change water. It wasn't good, so...
0: They're so those two pitches are so good, Lance, that um, and they they tunnel well, because like there were times where like I almost had to look at the gun and be like, all right, that that was a fastball because it had that much movement on, you know, Um, that he's got two legitimate like plus plus pitches. I I would I would I would say it's the best fastball I've seen. It wasn't as fast. it, It didn't have as much velocity as Brent Honeywell's fast fastball, but it was not hittable. He grooved two fastballs all day. One of them was to, like, the catcher Mike Ullman or something, and he just <laughs> banged it out of the park. But it was the only, like, hard-hit ball off of Gohara, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Those two pitches are ridiculous. Um, like I said, better better than Honey, Honeywell had better feel and was way more athletic. Um, I would have, to, like, bet my life that Honeywell, like, wouldn't have gotten injured, and it would have been Gohara that was constantly injured, which yeah, it it is kind of is, way,
1: but,
0: yeah you know, um... But, yeah, I mean, those that fastball is as good as I've ever seen. That That's fastball good. is good awesome. Yeah. Anyway. No
1: no worries. I'm, I'm interested to see Gohar when he gets called up eventually. And uh, I feel like there's going to be a lot of other Braves guys. I don't mean to jump to the Braves here. Right, one of my – actually, we're jumping to jump into the top five. So we're going to do a little back and forth with yeah, the top five fives as five. we normally do here, here to kind of recap you on know what's been going on around minor league baseball. Um, so we'll go back and forth, maybe combo a few up or something here. But I wanted to kind of segue into Joey Wentz, who's one of the guys on my top five here. Um, another the Braves pitcher. I feel like the Braves system obviously is one of the deepest in terms of arms. Jacqueline Wright, Ian Anderson, Joey Wentz, Kyle, just uh, Gohara here. Soroka is another one who's going to be called up relatively soon. There's a ton of guys you can go down even deeper on this list, too. Um, but Joey Wentz, four starts, 18 innings. He's holding a 2.46 fip. He's been going about four or five innings per start, which obviously isn't too deep in games, but I think you often see this like a lot with guys who are still trying to stretch out a little bit. He's this big lefty. Um, the changeup is absolutely filthy from the video I've seen. He's a little bit more over the top. He gets unbelievable fade on that from his grip. Um, really like watching a pitch. I think he's going to be a guy, obviously, with the change-up lefty. He's going to be actually a little bit more effective to right-handed hitters as opposed to left-handed hitters. So... I th- I like that in terms of building the floor for him. I know we're talking about floor and how you want to term that developmentally, but um, a guy who can neutralize righties as a left-handed pitcher is probably going to end up with a higher floor than a guy who gets beat up a ton because he's got a hook curve. Or you think of a guy like Kobe Large, another guy in the Brave system who probably doesn't have as high of a floor. His strikeouts falling off as he's accelerated through the minor leagues. But I, I like what uh, Joey Wentz has done, and I just kind of wanted to bring him up. I don't think I'm really you know. I'm bullish one way or the other. I don't think I'm bullish or bearish on him, but I like seeing guys who are large like this. I tend to have a little thing for guys who are Glassnow size, Alex Meyer size, who start to put together a little bit of control and Alex Meyer and Glassnow are probably the two that never put together the control. But Wentz has sure. a little bit of control off the bat and I really like watching these guys develop because I think that the playing they have on their fastball plays up a ton and he's got a disgusting change as I mentioned. I think he developed some decent projection with the curve too. So uh, Joey Wentz going forward you definitely got to keep on. Ralph, how about you? Give me your number one.
0: Sure. So my number one is uh, Dane Dunning uh, of uh, the Chicago White Sox system. He was just promoted from the Carolina High A Carolina uh, League affiliate, Winston Salem, the double A affiliate, the Birmingham Barons. And uh, he's actually through four starts been awesome. If we, we talked about this guy back in the Chicago show, if you want to go back, go into some of our analysis there. I think he's made some strides with his control the delivery Christmas of his secondaries. This guy is mostly fastball slider uh, changeup. All three pitches can play up flash. Plus Uh, I would say the fastball and slider, definitely the two best pitches they get sixes from baseball America in terms of what their rankings are. You know, 60 grades, you got a 55 and the changeup I've seen the changeup this year. It looks a little bit better. It's, it's got some bite to it. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm really interested to see what uh, Dunning does in double a, you know, against his competition. I think a lot of people thought he was going to be assigned double A uh, to start the year. He wasn't, you know, ended up in Winston-Salem. But like I said, the numbers were excellent. Through four starts you wrote right down here. He's got a 31 to three uh, K to walk, and that's in 24 and a third innings. And, uh, you know, the ERA and everything else is excellent. Got a, like, you know, 11 K rate, obviously, and, you know, in, in under in under two uh, walk per nine as well. So the numbers are excellent. He's had more control this year. That's kind of what his issue was. This was a guy that was a closer uh, during his time in Florida, and uh, they've made him a starter. You know, since he's been drafted by the White—excuse uh, me, drafted by the Nationals, right—and then traded to the White Sox, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? He was one of the guys in that that uh, Adam Eaton deal. And it's funny. I actually would not be shocked, and I was thinking about this today as I was driving home from work. If Dunning turns out to have a better major league career than Lucas Giolito, what do you think about that, Lance?
1: That's interesting. You actually kind of segued for me. I wanted to ask you, what would you give this trade that the White Sox and Nationals executed where they give up Reynaldo Lopez, Lucas Giolito, and Dane Dunning for Adam Eaton? So uh, I'm going to pass it to you in a sec. In terms of responding to what you just asked me, though, I still think I want to take Giolito just because I think that he started to put a little bit of The pieces of the puzzle together in spring, and we saw some flashes of that in terms of his curve. I know some people were getting excited. I know Jeff Sullivan of Fangrafts put together a pretty good piece in terms of how he was altering his mechanics a little bit, dropping that arm slot. Super interesting. I always like when guys make adjustments like that. I thought he kind of jumped back into the mold. I remember back in the day, when back in the day, I mean like probably two or three years ago, when that pitch, that curveball of Giolito's was touted as one of the best in the minor leagues. One of the. Uh, However you want to call it, you know? And, uh, That fell off pretty quick, and I remember watching one of his first starts for the Nationals at the Major League level and just didn't have the same bite, and it was really interesting to me because that's where I started to first kind of understand how some of the scouting stuff could deviate from what you eventually see at the Major League level. But uh, yeah, I'll go with Leto of that trio. I think Dane Dunning is is relatively underrated just because uh, he's one of the guys in the system that probably doesn't get the same... Hype that Kopeck and some of these other guys are going to get, but shooting off the double A is going to be super interesting. Ralph, you're going to ooh and you're turning to your left, which means you're you're watching something. What happened? I saw the, the loud out
0: from, a, from a Acuna Jr. Yeah, there, we, and, go. there uh, we go. Yeah, man. Dude, he put that ball to like almost slight left center yeah, field right? at America bomb. Ballpark. And uh, I think it was Hamilton actually it was like in full stride to have to make a play on that ball. Dang. He's getting
1: anything out there. Yeah.
0: Poops, I think it's funny a that I've been calling him Acuna and I never put like the, whatever the thing is the over the, yeah. the the N and uh, it's actually Acuna. I got corrected yeah. last night by Craig Mish and I'm like, you know what, Craig Mish, I've been writing about Acuna since like he was <laughs> in like short season ball. Okay, Craig Mish, give me a break.
1: <laughs> it is Acuna. Yeah. I don't remember who yeah. told me that, but I think I was corrected as well. So, uh, we, we got to pass it around. I'll try to stick to Cunha as opposed to Acuna, So It's but tough. I gotta, it's I, tough. Uh,
0: and I said, like, I'm like, uh, I'm like, you know, I'm from Boston, and I'm supposed to not say things correctly. So it's <laughs> You
1: get it inherently yeah. Well, the funniest thing is that it actually took me, like, a couple of months, Ralph, to understand that Michelle Baez was not Michael Baez, because I swear I called him Michael Baez probably about 50
0: times. Oh, oh. If you listen to, like, the first 20 oh. mentions of him on this podcast with with help, we absolutely called him Michael Baez. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> plugged an A in there. Added the extra vowel. Very funny. I, don't think, I don't think
0: I knew how to say any of those Padres pitchers' names until I actually spoke with, with Chris Kusiolik. And okay. he was like, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Michelle Michel Baez God, yeah, and Adrian Morihan. And uh, oh, who was the other one that I was like, oh, that's how you say it. <laughs> There was someone <laughs> like that, though. But, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's funny. I, I butcher names. It's a long-running joke.
1: No, no worries. Quick here, you gotta grade that trade for me. Giolito, Ronaldo, Lopez, oh, Dane okay. Downing for Adam
0: Eaton. Ah, uh, I gotta tell you, I think it's a good deal for both teams. Like, really? Okay. Um, the Nationals don't necessarily need pitching, do they? I mean, I guess they had a- A.J. Cole in their rotation for a while. Yeah, but they whatever. need backhand I mean, pitching, but I don't. I mean, I yeah, I guess they could use a guy like that, but I'm not so sure that the way that like, Giolito is pitching. Um, I guess Lopez has been pretty good, but I'm not necessarily a long-term believer in Lopez that he's going to be a sub four ERA guy for entire seasons. Just, I don't buy it. Um, And the thing is, Eaton's been hurt. There's been bad luck, but if Adam Eaton wasn't hurt, Adam Eaton is freaking good. I mean, he's a really good player. You know, he's he's
1: always going to be hurt from here on out. I think personally,
0: I kind of feel that way too. Like he's like damaged goods.
1: He's like a, Old AJ Pollock, where he's just going to be yeah. like a, a ninety hundred game he's, guy, but
0: he's like a he's like a girlfriend that went that went backstage at like a rock concert, and you're like, ah, I <laughs> just, no, she's not the same. Anymore.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> no, not the same, not the that same. That was very sexist to me to say. So anyway, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I I think it has the. I possibility think I like it that, for the White Sox side. Yeah, it, it has the possibility that we look back in three years and we go, wow. Because like, it only takes one of these a, arms to hit, right? What a what a deal. Um, what a deal for the White Sox. Yeah, and at this point, two of them are at the major league level. Um yeah. and one of them is pitching pretty well and was my number one guy. Um yeah. it has the if all three of these guys are in the rotation, and one of them you said hit, so one of them is like an all star. Okay. Not even that. Um, like
1: what if one of them's like a perpetual like three eight four ERA guy? It, like better than the average, get you know. E- if yeah, if,
0: okay. Eaton, if Eaton has That's like let's fair. say Eaton has two healthy seasons and he continues to have the highest expected batting average in baseball the way he does right now if he was like four games where he hit like two homers and hit like three fifty um, <laughs> hmm it's tough for me to just write that off because he's a dan- he's a really good player if he's good this year and let's say the Nationals win the World Series and he's a contributor on that team. Which isn't a—it's really not a long shot, Lance.
1: I don't know. Uh, I think he could definitely be a contributor. I don't, I think actually, I don't
0: know if he, I don't know if I could say it's a bad trade. I don't. Th- I don't think in any way it's a bad trade for the Nationals. But I think it has the ability to look back and be like, "Oh, that didn't work out so well." Because I think a lot of sure. it is Eaton's health. Because I, I would bet they would still make that deal today if they were guaranteed like a healthy Eaton all last season and then this year. Yeah, it, I agree with that. I think you've kind of helped me to understand here that it's
1: it's probably a little more even than I thought it was. I think that just the name value of those three names coming back and the fact that he gets hurt already just made me kind of go, well, I'd rather just take a shot in the three arms. But in terms of it's necessities ad- for the yeah. respective teams, it's like the Nationals need that outfielder to play well. And if you look at the White Sox, they probably need one of those pitchers. So they're willing to bet on three of them. So, all in no, all, I think it's a pretty good trade. But I thought I'd just bring that up. I want to also bring up, Ralph, we'll jump back into this kind of five by five here. Peter Alonso of the Mets, double A. Uh, 16 games he's got six doubles three home runs he's walking at a 15 percent clip which is about i think three times as much as he did last year of course small sample i think he's around 15 games as a lot of these guys we're going to talk about are um k's are up a little bit as well i'd like to see this approach change from him in terms of the walks i'm not exactly sure if it's going to be sustainable i know walk rate probably doesn't take it's going to take more than 16 games to stabilize probably something around like 50 ish to 60 ish last time i checked that fan graph stabilizer tool that I, I tend to use every now and then but yeah, Alonzo's interesting because he's one of those guys who you know if you get to, if you get consistent stats like this, if this expands out over hundred games, you're going to get a really nice sample from him in terms of home runs and power and slug. He's going to look really good on the OPS side of things. You stat sheet, you stat sheet, scout him. He's going to come across well, but then you watch the swing, and from my perspective, I don't really like it. It's a weird, funky swing. He's got kind of yeah. like this hand pump. It's uh, it's kind of Elgin Craigy if if you want to draw that comp a little bit, but Alan Craig did, I think, a lot smoother and had that crazy, crazy year where he was just a hitting machine for the Cardinals, but um, I, I always think of hand pumps like that. A hand pump uh, in terms of just dropping the hands, so if your hands start high and you drop them almost to like your waist or just even even smaller you could even do it just out in front of your body a little bit you know you notice this with a lot of guys in terms of trying to elevate their launch angle a little bit mac williamson is a guy i know hot topic now that everyone's talking about if you watch any you know, of his adjustments his hands are much 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 lower loading his hands much much lower and and austin meadows too is another guy who did it for the worse from what a lot of people say so this is a hot topic in terms of lowering your hands and trying to get the launch angle up. I think that's one of the most simple things you could do as a hitter. And uh, Alonzo seems to be kind of a, a hipster with it in terms of he did it a while ago, I believe, from what I was, some of the older tape I was watching. And I'm not in love with it. I think that there's kind of some kink in his swing, and I don't like it. But, but you know, you can't, you can't deny the performance. He's in double-A. He's hit pretty well. He made the high at a double-A jump. I think that's one of the toughest to make. Keep an eye on him, you know? I don't think I'm really like, oh my god, we need to really watch these five guys that I'm pulling up this week, but more just kind of tossing them out there. I think it's good to kind of jump back into some of the the mid-top ten guys, you know, that we often talk about that may be falling under the cracks, sure. Ralph.
0: Yeah, number and, two? and I am a, I am a fan of Alonzo, too, kind of dating back to his time at uh, at Florida. My number two is Khalil Lee of the Royals. Yes. Um, He's with ha- uh, High a Lexington, I believe, is the team there. Um, but he's made some nice adjustments at High A. I think one of the biggest things that we were sort of concerned with last year was the fact that he stole twenty bases, but he got caught like what nineteen times or something crazy. He was sure. caught a ton. He is six for six so far on the base paths this season. That's huge. Um, he's hitting well, you know, good average. He's hitting for some power as well. Uh, the, uh, walk rate is insane. Um, you know, we're looking at like a 20 plus percent walk rate at the moment. Uh, K rates down from the 30, 30 number that he had last year, still not great. It's about 25%. Um, but you know, I think the fact that he's hitting for some power, he's been more efficient on the base pass. He's still getting on base a ton. I can kind of deal with the strikeouts as well. Really exciting athletic player. I think this is a guy that if he puts together a good season, he hits for a high average. I think he's hitting like two eighty, two ninety right now. If you can sustain that throughout the year, even stay like two sixty, two seventy, he has the opportunity to put up like a 30-30 season with a great OB uh an OBP. And I, I think on fantasy lists has an opportunity to really jump up um into like the top fifty, just sort of the way Monty Harrison did last year, but I think he potentially could be a better hitter than Monty Harrison is. Um, really interesting guy. I, I I likely I know that we sort of I sort of flip flop with him and and Silly Mateus who's on the same team. Um, and I think we sort of flip flopped on when we did we did the
1: yes section of the, of the
0: of the of the Kansas City uh, podcast. But he's an he's an interesting guy because he's got that power. He's got the speed and he's got the on base ability. I think the biggest thing for me with speed guys is that on base ability and not a net zero with the power. So, you know, he kind of, he kind of combines that really nicely. So he's a guy that I'm watching. I'm going to have a little bit on him on Sunday. I've actually been working with, uh, I don't know if you guys are following at prospect gifs, follow at prospect gifs. I've uh, been um, conversing with him a little bit in, in DM, just kind of planning out some stuff with him for some posts. And I had him actually go back to uh, Lee back in early April, maybe the ninth in a game where, Um, struck out first at bat, had a really hard liner, doubled off the same guy in the third at bat, and then two walks. And it kind of showed his progress throughout the game. I had him do the same thing with, uh, Kevin Vigio. So I'm going to be rolling some of those out this, this week, sort of using the, uh, the, the gifs that he had put together are full of bats sort of tell the story a little bit. So, uh, big shots to prospect gifs, follow him. Like I said, on Twitter, He's putting on a lot of good stuff every single day. He's doing a lot of screen captures, almost like the pitching ninja of the prospect side of things. So uh, he put together some lease stuff for me. So I'm excited to share it with everybody, and I figured I'd have him as my number two. He's a guy uh, that's been getting a little bit of buzz amongst the prospectors the last week or so on Twitter. And uh, I think he's one to follow and maybe add if you're in a league where 100 to 120 prospects are owned and he's not owned.
1: Absolutely. I, I will continue for my number three here. Actually, Nick Prado is the guy I was going to bring up. Um, Juan Soto, Woo! we all know, is taking over the Sally League. But uh, but Prado's actually gotten off to a quite good start. A uh, couple, couple home runs. He's got two in 16 games, stolen base. The Ks and the walks put, look pretty stable year over year in terms of what we're looking at for him, if you want to compare. Again, small sample on all these guys here. Definitely qualify that for anything we're bringing up in terms of stats, especially rate stats. But um, Prado's a guy who I really, really like the swing of. I think I've always brought up on this podcast that I like compact power from the left side. One of the reasons I like Patton Smith so much. Prado is probably a little bit more, has a little bit more generation in terms of his coil, in terms of his lower half and how he gets into that from the left side. I like that a little bit more about him. It probably deviates a little from the purely compact power, but I think for what he does with his hands and everything, it is still compact as a whole. So I enjoy that a lot. I enjoy a guy who takes the compact power thing that I love and maybe brings that out a little bit more and teeters between almost a little bit of a long swing and almost a little bit of, of really, really compact power. But, uh, say, say like a Jaron Kendall where back in Vandy, when he had like absolutely no stride whatsoever, that's like the most compact of compact. And then really, really long is a guy we'll get into even on the, uh, the race side of things. Jesus Sanchez, who I really, really like his swings pretty long, but makes really, really good contact. Um, but yeah, Prado's one to keep an eye on another one. I'm, I'm just kind of bringing up some guys here that I was, I was kicking around looking at the stats of and, and seeing that they're consistent year over year. Um, and I'm I'm interested to see one thing particularly with him is is Prado's swing plane. I know his ground balls are up a little bit this year, uh, right around the 50 percent mark, which is something you don't really want to see. I don't know if he's a guy who maybe they start to suggest like a hand adjustment with and getting him down. We were talking about that with Alonzo; was his hand, hand start a little bit lower, triggered the launch the launching a little little bit more and embrace that. But uh, I'd like to see Prado maybe do that in the future. I'm not really sure what their plans are in terms of developmentally for him mechanics on his on the mechanic side of thing for hitting. But uh, he's got to keep an eye on. I think that there's kind of a weird base of, of Royals prospects here, which we haven't seen in a while in terms of Prado, Sulu Matthias, and, and Ralph just mentioned Khalil Ali. Yeah. They're building up something. It's good to see as, as Royals, uh, anyone's a Royal fan out there. I think and that they got, uh, you actually have a little bit of hope.
0: And they have, I think, two compensation picks at maybe 34 and 35 this year. So which they're going to have. Yeah, there three, some guys three first in that, rounders. Yeah. They're going yeah, to be able to restock this
1: Late in the 2018 draft coming up, that I think could be. Very, very interesting. Noah Naylor is one. Josh Naylor's brother. Younger brother, catcher, lefty. Stupid, yep. stupid, stupid, fun bat to watch. Uh, a buddy of mine up in Toronto. Shout out to Richard Burfer here. Um, huge Noah Naylor fan. And he was more projected like second round. And I've already heard his name kicked up into the first in that comp round. So you look at a guy like that. Like, there's some deep guys, I think, in this draft particularly that are come, that's coming up that can be super, super interesting for a team that has a couple comp picks where they can take a shot on a couple guys. So looking for the Royals to be one of those teams. I'll kick it back to you, Ralph, who is your number three?
0: Yeah, so my number three, I think, is kind of an interesting guy. I don't know; he's more he's he's more of a potential sagnoff for me. This is Brian Miller, uh, outfield prospect for the Miami Marlins. He was, I think, I think he was a first rounder last year. He was a comp pick, I think. I have to double check that, but I think I think he was a comp pick. Let me look. First round supplemental pick, yes, out of out of UNC. Hit pretty well so far. Uh, numbers are pretty interesting: 358, 388 on base percentage, 407 slugging. He hasn't hit any homers yet. Doesn't have a ton of pop. Swing isn't really built for that, but he has a swing that's built for constant con uh, constant contact, consistent contact. He's got a ton of speed. He's seven for seven on the or seven for eight on the bases so far. Takes a decent amount of walks never strikes out he's got like an 8.2 percent k rate um he's a really interesting guy for me for deeper leagues uh you know 18 team plus especially if you have you know steals or on base percentage uh in your league i think he's a guy that potentially could carve out a pretty nice future as sort of an off the radar uh leadoff guy that might give you a little bit of speed and some nice you know um average and on base ability and maybe he can cobble together like you know. 10 11 12 homers uh, and 20 steals. He could be actually be a really interesting guy for fantasy. So, he's a little bit forgotten about I think in this system. So, I wanted to uh, I wanted to bring him up and uh, you know give him a little shout out even though I don't think he's going to be an absolute superstar. I don't think he's pushing any top 100 lists. Probably not a top 150, maybe he could find the back end of a top 200, but I do think that there's a potential major leaguer in here that uh might have some sneaky fantasy value What well, say you Lance
1: I love it no I, I can't say no too much about him so I want to dig in into him a little bit uh those comics are always interesting as we just mentioned so I like the value and I like the fact that you are bringing up a Sagnoff. I feel like we're always going to go to the guys with some more uh, raw power and uh projectability in terms of that or high average good approach and I think it's good to mention some of these speedster guys every now and then Ralph so I like that yeah. big, big fan big fan also big fan Actually, maybe not the biggest fan, but I, I like watching him, and I always like bringing up some guys like this who are are drafted last year, and kind of we get a second look at. I'm always going to try to bring in one of these guys, and uh, as long as me and Ralph kind of do this 5-5 five and five back and forth. Brought up, I think, Hunter Green a couple weeks ago. I'm going to bring up Austin Beck now, who's off to not a fantastic start. Uh, the K rate's down a little bit to 21%. I know that was lingering up in the high 20s. He's got a lot of swing and miss, um, which is one of the bigger concerns here, but even For his size, I think there's a lot of latent power with him, and I think this is something that even scouts kind of agree on in terms of what I'm reading and what I've seen around the industry. I know Eric Longenhagen's pretty high on his pop. He's got sneaky, sneaky, sneaky good pop here. It's probably like 60, 70 raw. I'd like to see it maybe get to 60 in game. Um, a little, a lot of projecting, not a little bit of projecting going on, a lot of projecting going on just because there is a lot of swing and miss. But in terms of 5 tool outfielders out here, Austin Beck, um, really raw, super, super young. I like the assignment they gave him. Um, as I mentioned, the cage is down a little bit. He's got a homer and a stolen base. Um, the aggressive assignment, he's only 19. 296 average, 426 slug. In discipline improvement, as I was talking about with uh, with Prado, actually. Um, or, excuse me, with Alonzo and his, and his discipline improvement on the walk side of things. It's something to just keep an eye on. Um, and as I said, I like bringing up guys like this, letting you know how they're doing, Austin Beck, Hunter Green's. I like getting a second look. I think that's huge just because they're so – I think that, as I I probably mentioned before, we look at that kind of last month or whatever small sample we get of guys who are immediately drafted and maybe make a little bit too much around the assumption side of things. Maybe we think we see Hunter Green get blown up and really start to think that that fastball is too straight. Maybe we see Austin Beck strike out 35% of the time and don't factor in the fact that he's probably played essentially a full season of baseball, and the kid's only 18 years old at that time, now 19 it's one of those things, like, you know, give these guys a shot, keep an eye on them, don't, don't make insane assumptions off that first month. This is where the the biggest value, I think, starts to come up in prior years draft. When we start to see these guys get into a full season of ball, they have a full off season, they possibly, most cases, have some kind of extended spring or some spring training looks. If they get a full season assignment, they're already playing. Take a look back at some of these guys that you like in the draft, see what they're doing now, see how it differs from what they did at the end of last year, maybe put the pieces together. And I'm also going to bring up very quickly, Ralph, here... Um, and kind of a joke, my five is a combo of two guys. There's a combo of Jabari Blash and Chris Carter, who who have 17 home runs in 33 games for Salt Lake City, the Angels' AAA, Ralph. I saw this, and I just <laughs> kind of laughed out loud to myself. And I just wanted to bring it up because I think that's hilarious. I know Jabari Blash was a Yankee for a couple minutes in the offseason. Um, Chris Carter is, man, he's been around so much. Um, they're both whiffing, I think, right around that 28%. As they usually do, and I'm sure if they get kicked up the the major leagues at any point, which I mean, I guess you never know with where the Angels are going with Valbuena and some of these other guys playing first. But I mean, they got Otani, and uh, what do you call it? Pujols is, is going to slot in there when Otani <laughs> goes to DH. So there's not much playing time, but uh, I think it's hilarious. 17 home runs in 33 games, dude. Is and Ryan
0: Ryan Shimp Ryan Shimp Shimpf is on too, that, yeah. that that triple A team. another and oh, Ben Revere. The most and extreme. I believe I believe Ben Revere is on that team too.
1: No way. It's like, that is hilarious. It's like, it's
0: like retread central. Yeah. Matt Truss at one point a few weeks ago was joking around when they added Shimp that like, are they trying to build like the, the world's like, it's either the best or the worst possible triple A team that you can have. And they oh may even, God. is Eric Young Jr. On that team too? Like they have a bunch of like Stop major it. league retreads. I'm not kidding. Oh, yeah, I this roster. So I wanted to, so um, I wanted to sort of, I'm going to, I'm going to, cause, cause I always have to add more than I was going to. I'm going to give you three guys, but my number four is uh, a favorite of Lance's. A guy that Lance actually oh. drafted in the rest 30, I believe that would be Dodgers catching Ooh. prospect. Yes. Connor Wong. Wong was a uh, third round pick last year out of Houston. He's not just a catcher. He's actually a converted shortstop that can play third base shortstop, some second base. He can play in the outfield, really versatile player. Plus, plus speed, really athletic for a catcher. He's sort of in that same vein as Will Smith and Austin Barnes. The Dodgers really like that sort of athletic, multifaceted catching prospect. And he's another one of them. Uh, so far in the young season, he's got eight homers in 14 high A games. He is slashing 357, 419 with an 857 slugging. The only issue I'm seeing right now, walk rate is pretty good. I think it was about maybe eight or eight or nine percent around there. So decent, but average, this strikeout rate is pretty bad. It is Sinoian. It's a (laughs) 38.7% strikeout rate. Now, granted, he's hitting a ton of homers and he's showing some power and he plays a bunch of different, you know, positions and all that good stuff. But I'm sorry, a 38% strikeout rate in high is not getting it done. He's got to cut, cut that down a little bit. Maybe he's, you know, maybe things will stabilize. It gets back a little bit. That's the one question I have in his profile He's got to cut down on that. He's got to get it down to about 25% or so. And if he can do that and hit for the power that he's hitting for, um, he's a really interesting prospect. Maybe even if he's striking out at 30-plus percent, he's still a pretty interesting prospect just because he's a guy that can play a bunch of different fields. He's in a great organization for player development with the Dodgers. And uh, he's got power, man, you know any Hello? any offensive catcher is interesting so i know he's a guy that like you said you drafted in the raz 30 yeah, yeah, yeah. last Always guy i honor. had i had listed was uh, luke raley and actually a uh, friend of the podcast wilson Carriman had mentioned him i think in his prospect recap on tuesday over on baseball prospectus he's a guy i watched a lot last year cuz wilson lives pretty close i think to the rancho park and he goes over there a lot said so he watched you know as much of luke raley as anybody kind of an interesting guy he was a seventh round pick back in 2016. He was a D two player at a school. I did not know existed prior to yesterday <laughs> called Lake Erie college. I'm guessing that it's in Ohio. He was an Ohio prep prospect. I said a D two guy um, made the jump more or less from D two all the way to uh high a ball, you know, last year after getting drafted 2016, obviously played his rookie ball, that sort of stuff. But, talk about you know where he was from year to year to high a he slashed 295 375 473 last year was a cal league all-star um the guy is absolutely ripped um even in his his baseball america scouting report they talk about how he likes to walk around with no sleeves showing off the guns so anytime (laughs) luke really is in the building you're getting a gun show also got a ton of power. He's hit two homers so far this year. He's in double A already, which I think is very interesting. He's slashing 328, 389, 500 maybe through 14 games, 13 games. I know over the last 10 games he's been hitting just about 400. I think the batting average is 392. Um i love to dig maybe a little bit more on some metric numbers, but we're of course limited. What I lo- I saw in terms of the 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 hitting pro the 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 contact profile um more ground balls than you would probably like to see. But when I look at the, the swing, I think it's a, it's a swing that sort of balances power and average pretty well. He's got some natural power. I think he could add a little bit more loft. And he's got some bat speed, too. I was shocked that this guy was as good uh, as he was when I saw him. Lefty, lefty power bat. Decent left fielder, from what I've read. Um, plays a little first base as well. Yeah, you know, I think I think he could potentially have a major league future, you know. Um, but the the problem is that, you know, body wise he's a little bit maxed out and obviously he's been an older guy. But you know, he's age appropriate now at Double A. So I don't I don't hate this guy. And I think he's not the right fit for most dynasty leagues, but if you're in some of these deep leagues where, you know, 500 prospects around or something. He might be a guy that's available that you're worth taking a shot on. He's already in double A. He's got some power, kind of interesting, just athletic enough. He moves well enough that, you know, maybe he's a poor man's Tyler O'Neal. I don't know. Oh, hey, I like it. Those are
1: good little pulls there, Ralph. I also want to mention that the Salt Lake City Triple A, the angels have, dustin ackley also on their team so oh, you know wow. bringing it all full circle they have dustin ackley jabari blash ben revere you're correct and eric young jr ralph they also have a bunch of other guys i think we talked about michael hermiceo on the angels pod um bridwell and uh, up bridwell now. barrio was there so that is a very interesting team that i don't know if i'd want to go scout at just because i feel like i'd sit there laughing a lot of the time just because you'd, you'd try to project out what Jabari Blash is at the Major League level and just end up at 40% strikeout rate. So uh, yeah, uh <laughs> we can leave that at that, Ralph, if you want, and, and jump over to We want to combo up here. I think we're in the last kind of second half of the show here, another 45 minutes or so. We're going to do uh, three systems. So we're going to try to do 15 minutes each. I'm going to try to keep us on time with that. We're going to do the Rays, the Rangers, and the Nationals. <laughs> we just, we just want to speed up. We want to get through this. You know, We know that these systems are relatively good, especially the Rays system I think is pretty solid. So we don't want to... We don't wanna we're not doing this because we don't want to give them a full show, but we we're doing this because we wanna talk about things that are relevant to what's going on in minor league baseball prior to getting into stuff like this. So it makes it a little bit more interesting for anyone listening, as opposed to just us go through going through lists all the time. We can gotta give you guys something that's going on around the league, get you interested in minor league baseball as so whole. Pick up your TV TV subscriptions. Also pick up Ralph. You know what you want to pick up? RotoWare t-shirts. Never Absolutely. a bad time to pick up rotowear t-shirts. Tell them about rotoware Ralph.
0: Well I don't know if you know about Rotoware, rotoware.com, at Rotoware on Twitter. Or you can follow the founder, creator, CEO, and mailroom boy. That would be at (laughs) Kenneth underscore Cashman. My boy, Kenny. Um, He's creating absolutely the best t-shirts in fantasy right now. He's now hit the point where he's partnering up with some of the biggest names in fantasy. You know, he partnered up with Brad Evans. Of course, he's always been partnered up with Ras Ball. We were his first. We're his bottom B. That's fine by me. That's whatever. You go out there. You spread your wings, boy. I know he's doing some stuff. This <laughs> Dong Chasers t-shirts he's been doing with Heath Cummings. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not so sure I want to wear a t-shirt that says Dong Chasers, but if I was going to wear a t-shirt that, that said Dong Chasers, it would be the one that Kenny designed because it looks that good. <laughs> it just says Dong Chasers on it, and I'm not so sure I can wear that to the park with my kids. Now, that said, today, I went and I took <laughs> Little League Baseball photos. With my Crab Army shirt on. As Lance will attest, I'm wearing my Crab Army shirt at the moment. One of my favorite designs is my personalized shirt, but he's got a ton of other shirts that you can go and grab. You can get some of the old designs from last year. I still rock my ALNO only uh, mixed league shirt. I still wear uh, uh, the king of the standings from time to time. I'm always wearing my commissioner shirt, that looks like the Godfather symbol. And then all the stuff that he has this year, like I said the Crab Army shirt, the Exit Velo. I actually think my favorite design that he had this year is the 80 grade where it has all like it's all the yeah. tally marks with the bats. Like it's funny when I first got that one. I think I rocked the Exit Velo one more than that one. Now that's my favorite shirt. It's like a it's like that off blue color. It's cool, man. I mean, I love everything that Kenny does. He's really smart in terms of you know just his eye for sort of color, how he matches up the logos Absolutely. with the right with the right color shirt. Um, and he spends his time. I mean, this guy's folding t-shirts every day. Folding t-shirts every day. He always talks about. It. He's like all the fun stuff. He's like. The, the the part of RotoWare I probably do the most is fold t-shirts. So Kenny's probably listening <laughs> to this right now, folding t-shirts. Big fold shout out to Kenny. Fold them, Kenny. Well, because Kenny's so nice that he designs all the stuff, he you know, promotes for us, we promote him, he sponsors the podcast. This is what I want you guys to do. I want you to go over to rotoware.com. I want you to purchase some stuff. And when you're about to purchase something, they're gonna ask you for a promo code. I want you to use our promo code SAGNOF, S-A-G-N-O-F to get 20% off all of your purchases over on roto Wear. And And uh, in the little note section, you could tell Kenny that I sent you. I love it. Just yeah, send him, send him like a message. A
1: send him like a poem. Write him a haiku or something. Yes. Make it completely irrelevant. Just confuse a him. A Roto-Rhymes. Yeah, RAP. There you go, yeah. He does Roto-Rhymes. Exactly. Those are fun. I, don't, I think it's at Roto-Rhymes is that, is that Twitter handle where he tosses those out. It's Kenny's so much stuff going on. I love it. I love following him on Twitter and everywhere else. Um... Raise Ralph, let's jump into some raise, raise baseball here. Raise up. Uh, that's, I think, their hashtag. Do you know, like those hashtags all those teams are tossing out? I don't know how I feel about them. No, Most of them, I, I think, like, are just
0: forced. I don't like hashtags. I actually have a thing against hashtags, and I think that we're moving away from <laughs> hashtags. I think hashtags are like relevant it. on like, LinkedIn because it's old people that are like, Hey, I finally caught out of this hashtag thing. Yeah, no, hashtags are <laughs> off. <laughs> it annoys me when people use hashtags. I, I it does. It bothers me when people use hashtags.
1: You're making me self conscious, Ralph, because I think I use hashtags. I always hashtag MLB
0: and then the team I'm talking about.
1: I'm gonna stop you now. It, stop. I don't think it. I don't think it gets
0: you any more looks, man. I swear to God, I don't think it gets you any more I don't
1: looks. Know. Like, I wonder because if you search something on hashtags? Twitter, right?
0: I don't know. Like if you search by it, maybe maybe it's only for like
1: trending shit. So like if it's a uh, NFL draft, like hashtag NFL draft. Yeah. I'm just thinking of that because the NFL draft's going on. But like maybe you're right maybe if like someone's searching for Dodgers stuff or Rays stuff they just search Rays instead of hashtag Rays because who searches hashtag Rays yeah, I just that's no. fair you might be right on this Ralph you might be right Ralph the think, revolutionary here he's enlightening me
0: I think it's for I think it's for teams to be able to group um, fan messages together and then be able to like plaster oh, them yeah like onto like their big board like twice a game yeah sure. that's a good point feed from Rays yeah i I don't know part-time
1: part-time pa announcer here
0: yeah i'm i'm bad i'm one of those people that like i don't want to be in any clubs and uh like i don't want to feel camaraderie with my fellow fans i want to just be a curmudgeon in the stands that's enjoying the baseball game i don't i don't need all the i don't need all the frills i think that's why i like the minor leagues i know that they have like a lot of goofy contests but they're they're more like fun for the kids you know it's less uh i agree Less like it's less like rah rah jingoism I don't get into that so much. That's anyway. Fair. That's
1: fair. I feel you up. there. I feel you there. Raise up. Let's talk raise about up.
0: Willie Adamas, fresh <laughs> off of hitting for the cycle the other day. What's that? Monday or uh, Tuesday? I, I
1: did see that. Yeah. Uh huh. He's mashing at AAA to start the season here. Um, he's he's a guy who I think has. I, I think I mentioned this when I put out my top 100 prospect list. He's got, I think, one of the highest floors. Um, and again, we're going back to floors. I was talking about that with pitchers, but on the hitter side of things, simply because he has five tools across the board that are all like average. And maybe some of them teeter, like, slightly above average to get a 55 grade. I don't think he has anything that's demonstrably like a 60 grade. I think maybe he can probably tag that on a couple things as a hit tool. I think he could get up there at future grade. Um, I think his fielding could get there, too, as well. Or maybe his arms, particularly. Um, but uh, he's interesting. He's an interesting prospect. I think that in terms of shortstops, he's relatively overlooked just because a lot of people aren't <laughs> expecting him to become, like, a like a 30 home run bat they're not expecting him to steal 30 bags they're not expecting him to hit 320 which is where you tend to go in terms of top 25-ish prospects for a lot of these guys but i like willie domus a bit i think that his swing actually has a little bit of noise in it but he's got good enough bat speed to even that out he's got a it's 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 not smooth it's not really too weird or, or quirky we're talking about peter alonso's got a bit of a quirk in his swing but Adamus is, has a bit of movement but it's very succinct movement and it's concentrated and he i think it works really really well with his swing i like his swing his load lower half engagement's pretty good and heck heck of a bat the ball guy i think he ended up kind of being like a um you know like a 12 percent walk 20 percent strikeout guy at the major league level consistently so he's riding up that obp obp is gonna be good enough to make him even better in terms of where that glove's looking what are your thoughts on Adamus, mm-hmm. ralph
0: yeah, I got a good look at him last year in that, that Brent Honeywell um, game I took in. I took in a whole series with Pawtucket versus uh, Durham last year. Um, and he was you know 21 years old. He didn't turn 22 until September. And I thought he was impressive. He didn't have a great year statistically at AAA. International League is tough to hit him, but he was very young for the level. And I, I just thought that, you know, excellent in the field. He's very sure-handed. I thought he moved well on the field. I thought his footwork was really clean. And he's a guy that's, um, I think I've said this before, but he, in a lot of ways, he is almost like Glaber Torres light. Like just, I don't know if his offensive I can see skills, that. I can see that. particularly the on base ability with Torres is such a separator from him and Adamas, but they both hit really well. I think Adamas is faster. Actually, I actually think Adamas is probably a better athlete. Um, Adamas is faster. The hit tool is very good, just like Glaber's is very good. He's a little bit more contact over approach, uh, in my opinion. But, you know, it's it's not that he doesn't walk either. Um, But I think he's a good across-the-board player. I think he's a difficult guy for people to figure out because he is hit tool first. And he's a young shortstop prospect. And a lot of times these guys can get pushed because the defense and some of that stuff is so advanced. The bats still have some time to catch up to it. And some relatively pedestrian numbers at a high level sort of go um, uh, unheralded, even though it is a pretty impressive feat, what he's doing. We've seen the progression this year. I think it's pretty clear to anybody that's watched Adamus, maybe even to a lesser extent, Jake Bowers, who we'll get into in a minute, though I think he's had a little bit less luck. Adamus should really be in the major leagues. Uh, he should be in the major leagues right mm-hmm. now, and, you know, the race should, should I don't know why they're not transitioning to this core. I mean, are they going to wait until this guy's 23 years old to finally give him his first stage of the big leagues? It's got to be coming within the next, you know, month or two. And uh, he might have some fantasy relevancy this year just because if he has an opportunity, he hits enough, he steals enough, he's got enough power that he can kind of give you a nice baseline, uh, multi-category floor guy, like you said. What, like Almost like a glue guy. And every fantasy team sort of needs that. You know, he's, he'll be on a 100%. lot of winning teams, in my opinion.
1: I think so. 130 games in AAA last year, and he repeats that level this year. He's already 18 in. So uh, in terms of prospect progression and how you could criticize teams however you want in terms of how quickly, quickly they should accelerate guys, but I agree with you in saying that he should be up in the major leagues right now. I know they got a Danny Hedgevary. I think they're playing short. Um, I, I find it hard to believe they can't find Adamus another spot in the field. But uh, maybe they just want to keep reps upset at, at short. I don't really know. But his bat's good enough right now to be, I think, average to above average at the major league level, and he puts everything together. I, I, li- I actually kind of like that Gleber light comp, just because Glebers are really the guy who has a bunch of like five, six tools, like they're average or they're above average, but nothing is like. I think we're all kind of like hoping that power gets to like sixty-five-ish or something. But, and his
0: walk, and his but, walk rate. I'm I'm wrong. I knew it was eleven last year. His walk rate this year is about fifteen oh, yeah. percent. Fifteen. And and it's crazy. Yeah, and, and I didn't want to say that like he doesn't. He he does walk a lot. Um. But he's more like, yeah, he's like a 10% walk guy. 10, yeah. yeah, that's what I think. we like Glaber could, you know, be a, a like, you know, a leader, though. I guess, you know, their walk rates don't compare all that unfavorably. He's actually got a better walk rate than Glaber by a lot this year. Glaber was 8.9% um, during his 14 games. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm uh, underrating Willie's uh, Willie's approach a little bit. I, he just felt aggressive to me last year, huh? Anyway,
1: no, no, that's okay. I think he's actually having he's a better
0: been, yeah, a better season he, than he Glaber is. was. Triple A. Same league.
1: He was, yeah. I think I think the reason I think we all love Glaber and this goes back to obviously a lot of the top ten prospects is because you project out certain tools. You project out the hit tool to get this sixty five seventy, and you project out the power a little bit more because he's so young. And next thing you know, you're looking at like a twenty five home run guy. Whereas Adamus, like I think he peaks at like twenty five home runs if if he gets there, you know. Like I think he's kind of more sitting in that yeah. fifteen to eighteen ish window max. So uh, that's the biggest thing is that there's there's definitely more upside with with Torres. Yeah, he's but right year, now, he's if you're talking half, like rest yeah. of the season. Yeah. Yeah, if you're talking like rest of the season with these guys, if they both get – or Torres is up. Let's say Willie Domus gets called up. They both get full playing time. I think you'll get relatively even production. You're going to end up paying a ton more for Torres. So Dynasty Leagues, you're obviously going to hold Torres above Domus, But Adamus is a fun piece to hold. Um, Another fun piece, and I want to actually ask you more of a general question here, Ralph. Do you think Brendan McKay can make their major leagues as a two-way player?
0: Um, Oof. I don't know. It depends what his role is as a pitcher. If he's okay. an everyday first baseman and he has he does some relief work, maybe he sits against I don't know. He's not gonna sit will mean, we sit against lefties? I mean I guess he could sit against lefties. I don't know what his numbers like are yeah, against lefties. Yeah. I assume sure we you know he'd be more of a platoon guy. It's possible. I wonder if, if the rubber's gonna meet the road at some point, and he's gonna have to pick one. If he continues in the path he's on now, I think he can do both. But I don't know if he's Shohei Otani both. Like I wonder if they end up using him more as like a reliever. I, that's fair. And I think he's a little bit heavier on hitting. I, they haven't exactly like let him let him um roll yet though, have they? He's been mostly like three innings and everything. It's bad. I didn't I didn't check Brennan McKay's most recent dumpers. <laughs> Don't worry about the pod. We good. But, we good. Um,
1: We're rolling with it. Yeah, he's going two to three to four innings. He's in that mix. Um, they actually yeah, let him go four last time out, and he
0: dominated. He did go over. He did go four the last time out.
1: Yeah, seven mm-hmm. Ks, two hits, no walks, no earned. Yeah, Back of a start.
0: His numbers have been good. Both, ways. you know, it's possible, man, but it's so right, tough right. to get into it, it he's gets tempting. He's in, he's an A ball too, and he's an advanced college player. So like he should be killing the competition either way. You know, um, the big jump for him is going to be, is going to be double a and you know what, it, what he looks like in double a, you know, just because yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, this is a, he's been on the big stage for so long. Um, you know, as a top notch Louisville is an ACC program, right? So, so it, you know, gets ACC competition. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how you really make any determination of Brandon uh, uh, McKay until he's in Double A at this point.
1: I agree. I, I'm going to say bullish on this, and I, I want to say that I think he could do it. I think he's one of the few guys in the minor leagues right now that has the chance and because I'm more of a proponent of waiting for these guys and hoping these guys eventually turn into prospects that are two-way players at the major league level, just because I, I, I think I buy into this mold of, of getting guys who can go three innings and just understanding that they're not going to be seven-inning aces like Otani, that you can get a guy like McKay to play three times a week and then pitch once or twice a week and go two, three innings, keep him on a pitch count, keep him on a very strict pitch count, don't get that too much... Uh, Eventually, you're going to run into con- chronic stress on the arm and on the elbow because of the innings that start to build up around the guy like, you know, Josh Hader I think, projected to get around 120 innings or maybe 100, 120. I don't know if I'm projecting my head right right now. But that's a role I can kind of see McKay in. And I, I really want to see the Rays develop him like that. I, I don't know why. I just – there's so much in baseball. I feel like we push against, Ralph, a lot of these guys who – when, when teams start to do something different or there's something different that's happening in the game, and we've noticed that with two-way guys. We, we're getting more two-way guys just because we're getting more supreme athletes, because the talent pool of baseball is becoming a lot more concentrated and becoming a lot better. We're getting the opportunity for these guys to actually become two-way players at higher levels, and I want to see some guys do it. We have Otani. Otani's been successful out after everyone touted him as not being a college, a high school hitter, all this other crap that was complete BS. And we got Brendan McKay. And I th- I feel like we're going to go through the exact same thing with Brendan McKay. And I like Brendan McKay enough to say that I think he could get to like double A as in this mold. And that the Rays right now, they have a lot of prospects in their minor leagues. Their system, I think, is relatively stacked. Probably one of the more underrated ones in baseball. I want to see them develop him specifically as a two-way player. I would love to see this. And how they do it. And how they do it can set the precedent for other teams to try to do it. Because that's the thing that I think is most interesting. And I talked to an I, I, injury expert, at injury expert on Twitter, Will Carroll. Fantastic follow. He knows a ton about the industry. He works for Modus Sleeve, which is kind of like this sleeve, has a little sensor, syncs up to an app, tells your elbow stress in your arm, cost-effective way for anyone in, in high school and college, et cetera, to kind of get arm stress readings. It's a really, really cool product. He knows a ton about this stuff, and I asked him a while ago, and this thing that he said that stuck with me is that we just don't know how to manage the workload of guys like this. He thinks that there's absolutely a way for a guy to play up the middle of the diamond. He's saying second base, shortstop, center field, and pitch on occasion. And he means that huh. in terms of putting strict pitch counts on guys, only letting them throw three innings or so, running into this kind of Yanni Torino style bullpen that the Rays are doing, where they're, they're tagging together a couple of two- to three-inning guys. And get Brandon McKay in a mold like that, progress him as a starter like that, get him to go three, four innings, and let him hit. Because the kid's got a good bat. I love this kid's swing, Ralph. I don't know if you've watched it a lot. It's yeah. a college-college swing. There's not a lot of kink in it. I don't think there's a ton of upside in terms of power, smooth. but he's walking a good amount right now. It's really smooth. It's compact. He starts his bat on his shoulder, kind of rocks back into his his lower body, closes off his stance. Hands are quick, loads him low. I like his launch angle. I think his bat pass conducive to a bit of power. Mm. But in contact, I don't think there's too much in terms of holes in his swing. I'm a fan. I'm bullish on McKay. I want to see them develop him as a two-way prospect, which muddies the field for fantasy side of things in dynasty, just because you're not going to get an ace and you're not going to get the full-time first baseman. But in terms of real life and how I think McKay can change the game and – I'm I'm all in. I love McKay. Well, I really really love like McKay.
0: But if you're in a dynasty league that has uh, daily daily moves, daily roster moves, like I know I'm in an 18 oh, he, team yeah, head he to he head, head to league, you know, if I can move him back and forth and like it's a salary cap league, dang, I mean he he's worth a ton because essentially I'm getting two players and a guy that can fill in in multiple spots. It's a holds league, um, you know. A, In certain formats, he could be an absolute killer. Like I wish I had bid more on Otani in our free agent period this year, because now I'm like, now that I know he has the ability on both sides to actually for it to totally translate, I would have actually saved money by investing in both because I have like platoonish guys like Matt Joyce on my bench just because I know there'll be certain days where he's great to play exactly and and money from my uh, from my budget so. I think in certain dynasty formats, I know a lot of the stuff that I play in the deeper leagues our daily moves and our salary cap, and I think a guy like Brandon McKay um, offers a really nice alternative. So, what do you say? You want to go through Jesus Sanchez, who I'm shocked is listed at three on any list and not number one, but I guess I kind of I get know, it from a fantasy from a fantasy perspective. I would say he's my number one raised prospect over I Willie like Thomas. I, like I think it. that. The upside is higher. This guy can be a middle of the order, you know, corner, outfield, bat, masher, hit for some power. He's got a little bit of speed. I think he'll grow out of that, but he could have it early in his career. Um, he's a really intriguing player. I know that you had sort of said, you know, the, the swing is a little bit long. You know, he's uh, But I like it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of your... Uh, He's your, he's your prototypical, um, you know, Caribbean prospect you know Dominican kid signed back in 2014 and got that long swing, ton of tools, really exciting, tons of natural ability, quick hands, strong wrists. He sort of got all of it. Um, quick bat. He's a guy that's just been a riser over the last few years. I think that people sort of in the fantasy prospect community bought into him very early and it sort of boosted up his prospect status. Um, and he's a much better pros fantasy prospect than maybe a real life guy. Cause he's not playing up the middle. Um, not a huge speed guy, but just a really, really good hitter. And I think there's a chance that he can sort of take that next jump this year. Um, he's exciting. He's an exciting one to watch. And like I said, for me, I think he has the highest upside of any hitter in the system.
1: Absolutely. I think that you covered everything there. The thing I, I always kind of actually, in watching him aesthetically, I actually always think of Esteban Florial when I think of Jesus Sanchez. I almost tie them together like one for one. I feel like Jesus is almost like a poor man's Estevan Florial. I think is more speed, as we're talking about, probably a little more ability to maybe stick in the center of the diamond in terms of center field. I think Jesus does end up in a corner spot. But as you're saying, I think he ends up as a middle-of-the-order corner spot guy, which boosts that value a ton in terms of RBIs and production and what eventually the race turned into in terms of a system in terms of batting order down the road in a couple years when we actually see some of these guys in the minor leagues come up through the majors i'm a big fan of jesus sanchez i think you are too ralph i think i have him inside my top 30 yeah. i feel like he's one of the few guys who, who like really isn't brought up a lot honestly i think he's mentioned every now and then but no one's ever yeah. like oh yeah jesus sanchez you know i, I have him in my top 10 he's like everyone has him like 30 on their top 100 and it's just like here's jesus sanchez number 30 and like no one puts him 31 and no one puts him 29 he's like right there <laughs> all the time but uh, I'm, he's I'm got not wrong five with that. already with that. I know, yeah, he's killing it. But uh, a little, I actually, yeah, Estevan Fourieros, also who I think of, a little bit of even like Curtis Granderson, and you mentioned like the growth of him as a whole. He he actually has put on a ton of weight. If you watch any of his older tape, he's a thin kid. I know, I don't think he's too, too tall, but uh he had to have been like 170 six 180 three. a couple years ago and they have him 63. Yeah, he was easily he's not like tall 180. The, He's
0: not tall in the Lance sense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm 64, so I mean he's not. I'm taller than him, but enough But he's up to I saw him on some <laughs> on finger that has 210 right now. So I agree in saying that he's going to slow down the speed side of things, but you look at there's a good video I think of him on YouTube. I don't remember who put it up. I think it's from Spring though. He's got some me He's got some stature. He filled into his body and I think that I love guys like this because if you watch some of the older tape, he is a scrawny individual, and now he has put on weight, and I think you're going to see some of this power start to come out. I don't think it's a fluke at all in saying that either because he's got the swing, and he's just putting in some more power. He's tapping into a little bit more. Big fan. Um, I'm going to pass it to you for Wander Franco, Ralph.
0: For Wander Franco, uh, we haven't seen enough of Wander Franco, but anything I'm going to say on Wander Franco, I'm just going to – uh, send send you over to Ben Badler because Ben Badler absolutely loves Wander Franco. I think he actually wrote up the report for Baseball America. Uh, he grades his hit and his power at at 55. When I talked to him in the offseason, I think he even bumped it up to 60. Um, sort of, you know, your prototypical number one kid in the, the J2 class back in 2017. Hits for power. Hits for average. Middle of the order, sort of upside as a shortstop. Uh, you know, he's Eric Ibar's nephew. I don't think he's anything like Eric I Ibar. Didn't know that. Yeah. He's Eric Ibar's nephew. I don't think he's anything like Eric Ibar personally, in any way, shape, or form. Good switch heater hitter, excellent bat speed from both sides. Um, you know, plays a good shortstop. He's pretty physically mature at this point too, but he is super young. You know, March first 2001. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, I mean, we're talking, we're talking, you know, this guy just, this kid just turned 17 years old. So he's a long ways away, but he is an exciting one to dream on and uh, was a really nice get for the Rays. Another guy that I actually just traded for in a dynasty league was uh, Lucius Fox, who's having a really good year. I think he's hitting 350, oh, yeah, yeah. 360. He's in high A. He's He's, you know, a good, good speed guy. Um, power, not a ton of power. Good, good hit though. And he's a plus plus runner plays really well in the field. Um, little shortstop. I think he plays some outfield as well. Um, he was a big J two kid a few years ago. Um, another guy that I like a lot in this system. I just want to mention before we, uh, move on to Bowers, yeah. which I think we'll finish this off is, uh, Austin Franklin. I think this kid is actually pretty good. Has an opportunity to jump up in terms of his prospect status. Um, he's got a plus curveball. Above average fastball, above average change. Um, his issue with, with him is is the control. If you can get that under under command, huh, pun intended, then uh, he's <laughs> a pretty interesting prospect. But I want to hear your thoughts on Jake Bowers because yeah, he's kind yeah. of a tough guy. I feel to sort of. Uh, uh, Project out in terms of what he's going to be and how much value you can have in fantasy wise, because I feel like he can go a few different directions based on his skill set. What do you see from Jake Bowers, Lance?
1: Yeah, I think that I, I actually would probably consider myself more positive than neutral on him. I actually kind of like him overall. I like his swing a lot mechanically. I think he's a little more upright of his setup. I think there's going to be some holes in his swing, which is where you see that average sitting around like the two fifty ish range, two forty ish range. I think through the minor leagues. Um, so, I don't expect him to be kind of like a 260 270 hitter, but I think that there's a very interesting combo of this first base style speed pop. Um, he's got a beautiful swing back path. I love his bat path a lot. I think that's going to be conducive to a ton of power once he gets up to the major league level. I think it's going to be not, it's not going to be like 70 raw. It's not even going to probably be 60 raw, but I think it's above average enough to the point where it ends up being 18 to 22 right in the window. Probably more, I'd say maybe a, a tick over Adamas's power. Um, maybe even a little bit more than that, that if he kind of grows into his body even more than he has. He's 6'1", 195. He's already 22, so maybe not too much more on the growing side of things. Fangraphs is given him a 55 on the raw, 50 on the game. I'd probably go like 55 on the game and 60 on the raw. I think that that's reasonable in terms of what you're looking at with him, but that's splitting hairs again. He can take a walk, which is one of the biggest things for me, which, again, pushes up that OBP, so the points leagues, sure, makes it a little bit more tolerable, but for a team as a whole and for them finding a spot on the team, it makes him a lot more tolerable as a player that he's walking. You can post maybe a 330 OBP right around league average as opposed to being like a 240 hitter with no walks whatsoever and not being able to find a spot. But I consider myself positive on Bowers. I think that he's interesting. I don't know if he's crazy upside kind of guy. I think there's going to be some holes to lefties. I don't know how he does split wise, but I keep an eye on him. I'd like to keep an eye on him. And uh, I'm a fan. I'd say I'm a fan overall in terms of all these, you know, Bobby Bradley, there's a lot of these first base guys I think we've chatted about, Ralph. And Bowers is one that I kind of feel like he maybe fell through the cracks a little bit just because the power is in that 35, 30-ish range. But I think that there's enough skills overall where you can produce some value.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think the thing, I was actually uh, chatting with Brad Johnson from Fancraft's, um about him in, in DM the other day and asking him what his looks were because he had gone to the Durham game recently and, uh, you know, I'd seen some of these guys, you wrote up a little bit about Adamus and write anything about Bowers. So it was like, Hey, I'm kind of interested. What are you, what were your takes on Jake Bowers? I so, know statistically he hasn't had a great year so far, you know? Um, and I think a lot of it is just balls, you know, sort of fallen form and all that sort of thing. His take was, you know, maybe he doesn't have enough power. To really stick at the first base profile. Like he's a good player, but he doesn't know if he's enough power. And like, I tend to agree with you. Like, I think his power will actually play up once he's out of the international league and he's in the majors. I, just something about him tells me he's going to be a better statistical major league player than he has been in AAA. And I like the fact that he pairs some, you know, some, some pop good, great on base ability. Um, some decent contact, and really nice, like, speed. Like, he's not a great straight-line runner, really instinctual, really good base runner. I mean, he stole 20 bases last year, uh, you know, with with 13 homers and a 13.6% walk rate. So, good numbers there. If the power can tick up a little bit and he can get 20 homers, he might steal 10 or 12 bags and hit two eighty. I mean, I think—I honestly think that Bowers could be kind of— um, a little bit of a surprise for a few people. I, I like the lefty swing, as you mentioned as well. Uh, I think Bowers is really interesting. He's an off the radar guy. I know I had him in my top 100. So uh, I obviously like Bowers a lot myself. And I think that he does end up with some sneaky fantasy value.
1: I agree. I agree. That runs through the razor list. I know we probably could have made that an entire pod and gone back and forth on all those guys, but uh, yes. you know, we got to be efficient here. We got to be efficient here on the Rasboll no, podcast. So. And no Honeywell.
0: We'll- TJ, we know what the deal yeah, is with Honeywell. Yeah, we're know. not gonna go. We're not gonna. We're not gonna rehash that tragedy. Let's just move on.
1: Yes, it's tough. Uh, we both like Honeywell, but we will move on from that. We'll move on to the Rangers and move on to who I think we both have as their number one prospect. Probably Willie Calhoun, Mr. No Position, Mr. Incredible Bat Ball, Mr. Very impressive steamer projection, uh, which is something that I will always probably bring up. And I still think it's relatively impressive. I think they have him still for, like, 20 home runs and 270-ish average. But preseason, they had him for, like, I want to say it was, like, 27 home runs with, like, really good K to walk. Everything was very smooth with him in terms of what they're projecting him out. It's probably one of the more aggressive rookie um, projections I've seen. Um, Again, hit tool is unbelievable. He's got an approach to the plate. He can walk. He can take uh, he's not going to strike out above 23% probably he's going to settle into that you know 18 to 22 range i think and, and sit there most of his career um, the upside here is again we're looking at you know i think we're going to end up with like a 275 30 home run guy And I think he'd settle into the middle of an order. It's just a matter of what kind of playing time they want to give him because there's really no position for him. And that's what creates a massive discrepancy between real-life prospect and prospect prospect. Or, excuse me, real-life prospect and fantasy prospect because real-life prospect, I probably wouldn't want him on too many teams because you almost already have to bring him into the DH role by the time he's 26. But otherwise, fantasy side, he's unbelievable. He's probably even, I mean, you got to put him like, top 20 on fantasy lists. Just cause just cause of what uh, you're going to get production wise immediately right off the bat. Like this kid's this young, he's coming up, he's going to hit high two hundreds with easy power and it's going to show up and manifest. So yeah, I don't think there's really too much to say about, about Calhoun. Ralph, you have anything to yeah, add?
0: We know, uh, I've been covering Calhoun since the day this podcast started. Um, right after he got drafted, he was a sleeper guy that we had mentioned and sort of been into, um, he's been in the top 20, of my top 100 for a long time. It's going to remain that way. Yeah probably for another year if he doesn't get called up soon, break his limits. But, you know, once he does get called up, I'd like to see him in that DH role. I, I think he, the bat is legit enough that it can play. Um, and I think he's a little hurt. I think he's a little hurt that he didn't get an opportunity to break camp with the major leagues. Oh, said too, as, yeah. He said as much. So um, I think once this kid comes up, it's going to be gangbusters. can hit for power. Um, I don't think he's going to have a great batting average, but it's always going to be a pretty good batting average because he doesn't strike out a lot. Um, good bat-to-ball skills. Hits a lot of fly balls. Hits a lot of power. Um, and he's kind of built a little bit like a bowling ball. So I love Willie Calhoun, <laughs> and I think eventually he's going to be up, and uh, you're going to be excited to own him on your fantasy team. Want to talk a little Leoti now? Probably the most exciting yeah, I'm actually, prospect on this list.
1: I know, and I think I'd probably lean a little lukewarm on him. I, I was looking at some of his stats really? and kind of his swing as a whole, and I, yeah, I don't know how much I'm buying it. I think that... There's a lot of projection here going on with a couple of his tools, particularly on the power side of things. I think that's maybe where I pushed away the most in terms of calling him like a – I think I actually have him probably outside of the top 50. But for people who are putting him inside their top 40 or 50, um, you're probably doing that, number one, because you appreciate him as an athlete, which I can ob- objectively say he's a fantastic athlete from the speed perspective and everything he could do on the diamond. But his swing isn't – the greatest right now to me. I don't love it. I don't think it's conducive to too much power. It's relatively level. It reminded me yeah. actually a little bit of like when I was doing some analysis, like Christian Pache and Leone is more a natural power and natural loft than Pache does. But Pache had a very, very level plane. He's a guy that I think, I don't know if we've talked about him at all, but I don't think he's hit on run yet after hitting two off Sean Newcomb in that. Uh, squad game but, Today,
0: uh, Jason, Jason, did, did Wardell, was that, was that his game? No, a double that he thought was gone. And it, uh, it uh, like nicked off the high part of the wall. Ended up a double, but uh, he just said, "You know, sound off of Piché's bat this year is different. That uh, he's making better contact." But continue, go back into uh, Leoti. Yeah,
1: no, no problem. Yeah, so I mean, that's the thing for me. I think that you can look at this a couple of ways. I'll try to keep this quick. You can look at this a couple of ways. I think that you could look at it as either you're okay with projecting out some adjustments that he has to make in order for him to actualize anything above average power is my thing. So he's got the level bad path. They can adjust that relatively easy. And he also has probably a little bit of a leg kick that I think they could kind of change up. It's more for timing basis right now. I don't say, I can't say I love it too much. It's more of like a pickup and a put down, but there's really no inherent weight transfer in his lower half. He's not coiling or anything. It's more of a, it's high. It gets up there, but it doesn't bring any power forward. It's more like straight up and down. It's a vertical toe vertical, uh, leg lift that I, would rather see him either cut out entirely and stay on that front foot a little bit more and almost go to no stride or pull back into that more and get more power going. So he's got to pick a couple of directions here. And I think that what I like to do with guys like this, where I think they have to make adjustments is as opposed to ranking them as though they have those adjustments, I would like to rank them a little bit lower, leave him in like the 60 to 70 overall prospect window and wait for those adjustments to happen and then bring him up so that when people who are in the forties with him right now, See those adjustments. I I think it's tough to rationalize bringing that even higher. So that's kind of my logic. I guess kind of gives you a little insight into how I kind of rank sometimes, mm-hmm. and in just not assuming adjustment on some guys, even though guys change their swings all the time. So that's where I am with Leodi. You seem like maybe you're a little bit more aggressive on him, Ralph. Tell me why.
0: Yeah, I just um, I like the the total package of you know everything he puts puts together. The fact that you know I think it is impressive when you consider all those things, and the fact that he is still very raw and was okay at, at full season ball and got the assignment aggressively as an 18 year old, you know, out of spring he training. Did, yeah. I'll give him 19, that. 19 this year, you know, back in full season ball. Um, I like the bat path. I don't think it's bad. I think it's conducive for contact. I think he's going to hit for a lot of contact. Yes, yes. He's so young at 19 all season. I mean, he doesn't turn 20 until September. He's got time for that to develop, but he's got a lot of good, baseline tools. I think his pitch recognition is pretty well. He stays well through the ball that I don't think the contact is bad. He's got some all fields approach as well. I just think that he's sort of learning and honing his hit tool, but I think there's a really nice baseline of skills there. And I think there's a major, a a, a very sure major league future for a guy that's as young and as far off as he is because of that baseline of speed, um, you know, good plate approach, um, good pitch recognition skills, good enough defense to keep him in the in the lineup every day and and for him to progress a little bit more. He can develop that power. He's got that natural speed. He's got that natural athletic ability. And the other part of it is he's a really good switch hitter. He's a switch hitter. And, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we just talked about Wander Franco. This guy is sort of like what Franco can be in a couple of years. Um, you know, maybe you'll want Franco to have a little bit more power based on what the 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 scouting reports are. But it's really tough for me to to knock a kid like you said. I love the athleticism. I love the tools. It's apparent when you watch him. Really, just great skill set. And there is you know a ball of clay here that can be molded into a really talented player. And I guess that's what we're dreaming on with the Yote. But um, I've been aggressive in ranking him. I don't know if I'm as aggressive as some people have been. Um, but I did pick him to have a, a 2020 season this year. Actually, is one of my bold predictions over thought- on the Prospect One Show with uh with the Welsh from uh, in this league. Yeah. That's good stuff. No,
1: I like that. I like being a little aggressive on him. You're basically assuming the adjustments there, which I'd love to see him make and I think I'd definitely start to buy it a little bit more if I see him. So, I'm going to keep an eye on him. Hans Kraus, we'll try to speed this up and get through these last few guys. Maybe we we'll push push the uh the Nationals to next week, Ralph. Maybe that's a more efficient I think that's a, I think that's a good, I think that is a good
0: I think I think good ideas to maybe push the Nationals awesome. until next week and right. we'll we'll, so, we'll pair them up with the Blue Jays after we get some blue jays yeah, oh, good. we could go
1: we could go Bichette, vlad and soto all together but for now hans krauss funky 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 delivery this kid actually Ralph, reminded me of one of your boys jorge guzman in terms of what, where oh, his punches yeah. and his back but uh the funniest thing for me is like <laughs> i, I don't think i always mention this where with some guys i i expect them to do certain things from what their wind up in their mechanics show and i can't say i've seen a lot of hans krauss so this was the first time i started digging into some video he goes into like this weird hunch over and he draws back a ton. He's got a really, really high glove arm. But then his arm slot is like purely sidearm. So it, it really throws off you visually. And it's probably one of the reasons why he's really, really deceptive. He's maintained, I think, a relatively high K rate. But I don't know how projectable I see him as a starter. And for me, at this relatively low of a level already assuming a guy is funky enough and weird enough in a way that isn't like a Mackenzie Gore kind of weird where it's an athletic kind of weird and I'm like oh I could buy in it's more of like a weird weird if that makes any sense but uh um I I can't say I love him too much but I did see 16 70 grades on his fastball and curveball so there's something here I think it's mainly mm. all deception I, I would get bet that he's not like a crazy spin rate guy or crazy velo guy just because the the arm slot just it doesn't bug me out. It's just like so funky, Ralph. Like, did you? I don't know if you've seen a lot of video of him, but what do Fun. you think overall? Like, it's it's weird, right? It's really weird.
0: I was uh, I was enamored with him the first time I saw him pitch. I think at the national high school invitational tournament. Um, okay. I, that was you know prior to the draft. I'm like, wow, this guy is funky. Uh, Team USA. I think he had pitched pretty well. This guy, I was like, this guy's really interesting. And then the more I had thought about it, and once he got drafted, I think he had lasted all the way to the second round. I was kind of like, you know, maybe this guy's a little too funky. Like, you know, maybe there's some injury risk yeah, here,
1: borderline weird. Um,
0: you know, some, some concern. And then he comes out the gate in the Arizona league. And, you know, in 20 innings looks absolutely dominant. 30 K's to seven walks had one home only allowed seven hits. Um, I mean, he was just blowing people away. And it seemed like, you know, other than Gore, he was probably the most advanced arm uh, in that league last year. Now he's, if I'm not mistaken, that extended spring, he did not get a full season assignment. Um, And there's been some talk that he'll end up being a reliever and could move to major leagues within a year or two, just because he's so ready now as a reliever with that nasty fastball slider combo. Um, And he's got pretty good control of the two. So the, you know, the the mechanics are funky as hell. Um, the arm slot is wacky. It looks like he's destined for Tommy John surgery or like the Ork <laughs> Outlet surgery. I mean, seriously, like it looks like he's destined for some injuries. But um, personally, man, I am riding this mother while it's hot. And I draft him in a couple of leagues <laughs> with Bell. And I, I have a few shares across. Like, I think he's a really interesting pitcher. If there's a way that he sort of figures out the changeup, um, he's one of these guys that like he can unlock a ton of upside and become like Max Scherzer, right? I mean, like Scherzer was one of those guys that just like had all this upside, great fastball, decent breaking ball, and just couldn't really unlock it. You know, it was with Arizona, and like, and then all of a sudden, he figured it out. And guys like that that have this stuff you dream on for a little bit longer. I know that one that Jason Woodell was actually tweeting out about was. Angel Perdomo from the blue Jays. Maybe we'll talk about him next week. He's a guy that like always had all this projection and stuff and never put it together. And now it looks like potentially he could be putting all of it together. And sometimes those guys take a little bit longer Krause. If they decide to pursue him as, you know, uh, a starter and they feel he needs a third pitch, which I think he does. Um, it might take a little bit longer, but the upside with Krause is immense. Um, just because his stuff is so nasty. He's so funky. And I think it's so tough for hitters to sort of time the ball out of his hands.
1: Absolutely. I agree with you there. A hundred percent. Um, Cole Raggins, we'll mention the other pitcher here on this list. Went down with Tommy John recently. I actually really liked him before this. I think he has a very, really really compact delivery from he's a lefty. I I really like his changeup. I like a lot of things about him. Um, I think he can get up to more of an average curve than I think I saw just based on what I saw his arm action as, but, uh, the funny thing with him that stood out to me was that before Tommy John, he was a changeup guy who had control issues, where I feel like it's almost always the other way around. Usually, the changeup guys are guys who are a little bit lower on the velo, but could command well and don't have control sure. issues, but he's the other way around, which makes me think that it's maybe even more of a swing-and-miss changeup, which pushes up the ceiling a little bit, but he's on the shelf with Tommy John, so let's kind of check it with him another year down the road. We don't have to check in a year down the road with Bubba Thompson, though, who's playing right now. He's tools toolsy outfielder, 70-grade speed. Um... I think his power and his back could kind of get up to that average range and he can end up being another kind of all-around tooly guy like a Leody Tavares maybe I think probably can put on a little bit more power than Leodi Tavares in terms of what he's at right now. I guess we could see in a couple years where that actually turns out to. But um, the problem with him is he doesn't have too much of an approach. He's striking out a lot. He's not really walking too much. Um, but his swing overall is, is interesting to me. I like it a little bit. I don't think it's as wild as I would have expected for a guy with a high strikeout rate. Sometimes you see a bunch of hitches in there, or one hitch in their swing that you don't like, or you see a lot of length. With Bubba, it's it, it's not terrible. Like I think it's really workable in terms of um, a bat, and a bat that's, I think, prep side bat, so it's not too, too polished here. He's really, really young. I think they could do a lot with him to make him maybe a little more predictable 5-2 fielder. I like him as a stash in leagues, and he's a good guy you're going to have to wait on. But... Uh, um I keep an eye on him for sure. I think that he's a guy who can maybe sneak up into some lists, maybe in a Joe Adele kind of way, um, where mm. he, in another year down the road we're looking at him and going, "Huh, there's a lot of tools here." Maybe not. Well, Joe Adele is like crazy, crazy power. I think that a lot of people try to project out, but maybe Bubba doesn't have as much power. But he's got 70 great speed. He gets the fifty, fifty-five-ish power, game power, actualized uh, at the peak of his career. I think that that can turn into a really valuable bat on the fantasy side of things. What say you, Ralph?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you know who he reminds me of, and another guy that was drafted by the Rangers, actually the first round guy. A um, little bit later in the first, though, back in 2012, Lewis Brenson he reminds me a ton of yeah, Lewis Brenson, right. where he has that, that raw sort of profile. He can call, go a couple different ways in terms of what he ultimately maxes out as. There might be more power in the profile than we think. There might be more hit tool in the profile than we think. At this point, it looks like it's more power and speed and just a really interesting all-around skill set that he brings to the table. But another um, prep kid at the Rangers that sort of plucked that they now need to develop a little bit more. He's in extended spring training as well, um, so we're not seeing any of him at the moment. But, yeah, that's who he reminds me of is kind of um, Lewis Brinson. We like to comp prospect to prospect. I think that that's what the Rangers hope they can develop um, Thompson into, is that he's a, you know an interesting, uh, multifaceted offensive player and they're hoping that those skill set you know he was a great football player in high school as well you know su- supreme athlete that they can sort of mold that into a really exciting across the board talent and uh, i think there's a good chance that that happens for sure
1: i agree i agree i'm going to keep it say- on him he's another one of those guys with a lot of upside like to see that approach improve so
0: we're going to talk about rough. the last guy that signed dumb? from, from no, oh, we have to talk about the last yeah. guy that signed from this J two class. I don't know if you have any thoughts. I and mean, I know neither of, neither of us have seen Julio Pablo Martinez. I do own him in uh, one dynasty league. It's a points league just as a flyer. But um, what I've read is he's a little bit sh- sort of small compact guy runs really well. Uh, there's some swing and miss. He's a good low ball hitter swings and miss up at, in the zone. Got a little bit of pop. He's aggressive, um, but an uh, an interesting, dynamic offensive talent, nonetheless. And I know that uh, Baseball America had ranked him, I believe, fourth in their Rangers uh, uh, top uh, thirty once he actually did sign with the Rangers. So kind of an interesting guy. I think he's, if I'm not mistaken, just turned twenty two back in March. We haven't seen him yet stateside, but. Uh, Kind of an interesting name. Somebody to keep in mind, you know, and somebody that Absolutely. can blow up if have he's you seen, much better than Have you seen me video? Uh, you know, I have. Um, the Baseball
1: America's got some. I got to shoot you. It's uh, it's interesting. He's as you said, he's compact. He's got a uh, a nice Which frame. Bat, I think huh? he's relatively built. He's yep. got a whippy bat, and he's actually got. And I, I mean, this is probably going to run common among a lot of keeping players, but. He has actually a little bit of the Puig hands where they're a little bit lower, loads them lower yep. in the zone, and he looks yep. like Puig from the left side. Just in my initial split impression of watching him when I first saw him. He does look sure. like Puig a little bit from the left side. He's a little bit different. I think he starts with a little more of an open stance, closes it off, But uh, and Puig's much simpler in terms of where he goes with his leg. and I actually kind of like Puig's swing a lot, which yeah. is something I don't think is brought up a lot. I think it's super, super compact and effective, but uh, Julio papa has got a little bit more movement. It looks a lot like Puig from the left side, though, so... Um, I'm interested to see what happens with this kid. I know yeah. he was a guy who was perpetually drafted in Raz 30, Ralph, and then, but he wasn't eligible, so everyone kept drafting. And we had to throw him back. <laughs> but, uh, but the Rangers Bastards. have a, a bunch of tools. The outfielders here. <laughs> so, Julio Pablo, keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on everything uh, that Ralph writes on Baseball. Keeping everything that uh, on eye. I'm, I'm mumbling all my words together because it's late, Ralph. Keep an eye on everything Ralph does on Razzball. Keep an eye on everything I do on Razzball and elsewhere. He is Prospect Jesus on Twitter. I'm at Lance Brazo on Twitter. Ralph, do you have any final parting words for our beautiful fans?
0: Hey, thanks for listening.